Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tower Casuals, the Destiny podcast. I am one of your hosts, Corey Deering, and alongside me, as always, is the Hive Busted, King Slaying, Pirate Wrecking, Jolly Rogerin', and apparently Well Springin', my favorite co-host on the city that's Yeah, uh, hi. We're, we're back. We have we have cameras now. This week. Uh, we do. Please pay no attention to the massive amount of crap behind me. Uh, I'm still in the process of unpacking and kind of everything that hasn't been sorted into a place or unpacked yet has just been unceremoniously dropped in my office. So we moved out of the garage so I can get my car in there. And uh, this is what we ended up with. So next couple weeks, it's probably still going to be really, really messy in there. But you know what? That's it's okay. You know what? It's fine. People who have been listening for a while know what yeah. happened. It's it takes, look. Turns out you can't just unpack everything overnight. Uh, I used to be able to, and then I turned thirty. Yeah. I I have noticed with go. each move, I have unpacked a little, uh, slower and slower. Uh, when we moved to Austin, it was like, oh yeah, like I'm still a spry spring chicken. I can do this. I did it relatively quickly. You know, I was recently unemployed. It was easy for me to unpack. Uh, we moved back a year later, and it was like, oh, well, this is going to take a little bit longer than it did last time. I'm just going to leave them stacked up in the corner. And now this time it's like, I have so much other shit going on in my life. It can wait. I still have no desk chair. I'm sitting on one of my old kitchen chairs right now. Uh, my chair got returned nice. to sender. So that was fun. Ooh. Yeah, I love it when the company nice. doesn't even attempt to deliver things. That's that's the so. best. <laughs> that's the best. You know? Oh, it's so. it's it's fabulous over here, but uh you know, it's all good. It's fabulous here too, Josh. It's all good. It's been a good week. Um it has not been a week. It's a, it's been actually a, a pretty decent one, uh despite all the uh all the bullshit off camera. It's been a pretty decent week. Uh, go watch Cyberpunk Edge Runners if you haven't watched it yet. Uh, That's what I saw you was, posting uh, about pretty much all week. It was week. incredible. <laughs> yeah, I kind of posted it everywhere that I could. It came out on... Uh, oh, God. It came out like two, three days ago, and we've already watched the entire series. Hmm. I want to say it came out on like Monday That's... or Tuesday, and we've watched all 10 episodes already. It, it's very short. It's 10, 25-minute episodes. So, and, nice. uh, like two or three of that is for credits respectfully at the front end at the back. So it's like 18 minutes of actual content. Um, very, very, very good though. Works as an awesome companion piece to the game. I think it tells a better story than the game personally. Um, the characters are all very interesting and, you know, hope that we see some follow up with a few of them in, uh, whatever the next game ends up being in the series or in the DLCs or whatever. Um, are you gonna Are you gonna go back and play the DLC Phantom Phantom Liberty? Yes. That's what it's called. Right? Uh, well, so I shouldn't. I actually shouldn't answer that as quickly as I did. It depends on when it comes out because there's kind of like a narrow window where it can come out as of right now, where I would actually be able to play it. Um, yeah. Because I mean, if it comes out in like March or something, I'm not getting to it until at least summer. Um, and we know, of course, this week the sequel to Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, is coming out on May 12th. So that's the rest of yeah, my May. Th- thank God it's 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, that's probably my May and June. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting there looking at that and I was like, all right. So like based on how the seasons fall, I'll have like three weeks to get through Breath of the Wild before another season of Lightfall drops um, with a new dungeon and things like that. So I'm just like hoping to every single god that exists or ever will exist that Starfield is like either a March or April drop or it's June or later. Those are like, I need it to avoid May at all costs because the year is going to get, the year is starting out extremely chaotic and I'm already having to decide like what I'm just flat out skipping. Yeah, dude, next year, the first three months of next year are like awful. It's so awful. It's terrifying. Um, Like whether you're here for AAA or you're here for indies, um, more things keep slipping to that too. Like, there's still the realistic chance that Stalker 2 comes out in that time frame. And I've been waiting for that for like a decade. So I'm yeah. very excited for Stalker. Lightfall is coming out. The Dead Space remake is coming out. If you care about it, Hogwarts Legacy is coming out. Suicide Squad is coming out. Breath of the Wild obviously is in May, but I can't even call it Breath of the Wild 2 yeah. anymore. I have to start. Tears of the Kingdom is in May. Fire uh-huh. Emblem is well, in for January. Me, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's Fire Emblem is the uh, one that I have circled for January. Long uh, Fallen Dynasty, Team Ninja's new game is coming out in January. And don't forget, uh, Xbox players will probably get uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. Xbox in players will March, right? Xbox players will get Ghostwire Tokyo probably the last week of March, first week of April. Um, yeah, Starfield is coming out at some point. Redfall is coming out at some point. I'm very scared about the first like four or five months of next year. There's just it, yeah. we are getting we are we have reached a point now where there's uh, oh Assassin's Creed Barrage, which I'm very excited for. We we have now I'm reached so a point where you cannot possibly consume every single piece of media that you want to. Um, I know that a lot of uh you know you was you know you you hit that point a long time ago, and I know that a lot of our friends who have families at that point a long time ago i am a uh, single 30 year old and i'm like oh my god like i can't pop like even with like tv shows i'm like i'm so behind on so many things like tv shows though at least Mm -hmm. i can like sit down like binge it out when i go to bed or something but man it's like i was so excited for house of the dragon and i'm like four episodes behind now three three episodes i'm three episodes behind i watched the first one and i haven't been able to catch back up we might been straight through three of them after this tonight just so we can get caught up like the only thing we're watching week to week right now that we're absolutely the second it drops is she hulk everything else just like kind of happens when it happens so we took we took a detour to do cyberpunk are you liking she hulk i think it's great because it feels like an actual tv show as opposed to like a movie that they chopped up into six episodes like yeah. it, it makes the writing and the editing feel a little bit more consistent. Um, I I like it. I think it's it's really goofy. It's definitely not going to be for everyone, um, but I enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I I like I like it. I don't know if I love it, but I, I mean, like that, it. That's fine. Like I I saw a lot of people go through that with Moon Knight. You know, I absolutely loved Moon Knight, and most everyone was like, uh, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> like. See, I really, I really liked Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel was great. Miss Marvel's probably still the best of the three. It might still be the overall best of the year, 
And that's mainly mm-hmm. due to uh, Iman Villani, who plays Miss Marvel. Oh my gosh, she's the best. She's so... Her reactions at D23 were incredible. Please tell me you saw the picture of her meeting Harrison Ford. Yeah, I did. That is just one of... Like, she confirmed in an interview also that she's been on, like, the Marvel Studios spoilers board on Reddit for, like, years. Yeah. Um, I saw saw that on a... Like, they had the the mm behind-the-scenes stuff. What? Of uh, the assembled... Right, that was on the assembled making of yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I haven't watched. Man, I sh- I need. To, uh, this is what we talk about: not consuming every piece of media that you want to. I haven't been able to watch like any of those, or like behind the cameras for the Star Wars series or anything. I have just. And Andor starts. Oh what? my god, Andor Next starts. Week? Yeah, uh, a week from tonight, Andor starts. Or a week, a week. Three episodes. A three by episode the way. premiere. So that means that it's going to take me like three weeks to watch all three episodes at this rate. Um, we've been watching Rings of Power, which I'm yeah, how's enjoying. that? I'm shockingly enjoying it. Um, I like begrudgingly have to admit, but it did a two episode premiere. That is like mercifully only eight episodes. So I'm just like, all right, you know, I need. I, I think that's part of why I like She Hulk so much, and like why I watched Edge Runners as quickly as I did. They were 30 minute episodes, and if you account for like credits and stuff they're even shorter which is phenomenal i'm mm-hmm. very excited for that so yeah when you when you play a lot of uh super long games like i i recently i promise we'll get to destiny in just a second i played through assassin's creed origins over the last couple of weeks because i've never touched it before and let me tell you something man i don't know if i have another one of those ultra long assassin's creed games in me like Starfield and Tears of the Kingdom both coming out in the, like the same three month span is going to destroy me mentally. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny. Like I have people asking me, like Josh, why don't you play Horizon? You would like Horizon if you just gave it a chance. And I'm like, man, listen, I, I have like the capacity for like two games like that a year, maybe. I have to like save extra oomph for next year. Yeah, here, this isn't going to make you feel any better, Josh. I've been playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey for like two and a half years, and I go back and I'll play it for like 10 hours, and then I'll take a break, and then I'll go back and play it for 10 hours. I have 91 hours into that game, and I still haven't touched the DLC. I, when I finally rolled credits, <laughs> I was at over 70 hours. That's what made me go, man, I really enjoyed this game. And the whole reason that I kept playing it was because I really like Cassandra and how she interacts with everybody. But I'm like, man... Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would be able to do that, like, now. Valhalla was very rough on me. Uh, Valhalla felt, like, really soulless. And I kind of felt that way about a lot of Origins. Because it's just, like, kind of boring to look at at a lot of places. You're in in the Mm -hmm. desert. Like, it's kind of boring to look at occasionally. Um, The story was fine. Like, I I thought the story was good. But it's like, eh, okay, the Assassin's Creed trip of, oh, well, your whole family was killed. Go avenge them. Like, Cool. I did this in uh, I did this during the Renaissance, and I got to play as a playboy named Ezio, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I so it's like it's it's fine. Like Origins is good. I think it would have been better in my mind if I hadn't already played Odyssey and Valhalla. Like I'll never yeah. play the DLCs for Valhalla. I just that game made yeah. me so my my save file is still screwed up after two years. I checked it recently, almost three years now. My save file. Is oh, still oh right, because you, one of your quests bugged out. Yeah, I remember final, that. We talked about that on this quest, show. Uh, bugged out on me, so I will actually never have the uh, achievement trophy, whatever you want to call it, for finishing the game. 
after I did all the stuff to get God, the true that, ending also. So that's that infuriating sucks. that I had to watch the ending on YouTube. And because of that, like, I also wasn't, like, a big fan of how hard they pushed, like, the Norse god bullshit. Um, like, that's not Assassin's yeah. Creed as far as I'm concerned. They just keep leaning into it with, like, Dawn of Ragnarok and things like that. Like, no, nah, I'm good. I did finally get the yeah. Odyssey DLC today, though, since it came to Game Pass. I finally bought the Odyssey yeah. DLCs. After I mistakenly bought the Origins DLC two years ago when I meant to buy the Odyssey one. Well, now that you're playing Origins, you can play no, the DLC. I was so done with Origins by the end. I was like, fuck it. Like, I left so many quests on the table at the end because I just wanted to get it off my hard drive and be done with it. I, yeah, uh, no, that's fair. I, but, you know, because it's Splatoon time. It's Splatoon time. So. Yeah. Oh, Josh. Oh, Corey. I got to show you. Oh, got you got this, the pro got controller. Yeah, I did. I'm gonna be a pro Splatoon player now. I like the I like the pro controller. I, I was using it the other day, and I was like, man, it's been because it's been a couple years. I really haven't used it. I've barely played my Switch over the last three years. Um, the last time I it's funny. The last time I used it like a lot was before I moved to Austin. Because in Austin, all I all I did was play uh, New Horizons, and then. Once I got through that, you know, craze with everybody else in the first month or two of the pandemic and Destiny got good again, I was like, oh, well, okay, bye. And came back from Metroid Fusion and that was about it. Not Fusion, Dread. And that was about it. Yeah. So I really haven't played much. I have three houses just like staring at me from the corner of my desk. So, yeah. Well, you know, Josh, there's always time where you know, we just not talked about play. not having time i'm getting to the point where i'm <laughs> know, like was, about to start playing game pass games on my phone while i watch tv so yeah well now that odyssey is uh, now that i can play it through the cloud instead of through remote play which is garbage yeah. cloud gaming works better than remote play i want to i want to point that yeah. out Microsoft, I, uh, if you're listening. I'm excited to uh, Phil. try out Metal Hellsinger and uh, You Suck at Parking. Both of those came out today for Game Pass. Yeah. So, Deathloop comes next week for all the Xbox fans I, out I there. I know. Very excited. I'm actually kind of excited to try it. It's a it. very good game. I just never got back to it because my uh, DualSense was kind of fucked up. I had major stick drift on it, which I have on my Joy-Cons, by the way, and it makes me really upset because they're my Splatoon Joy-Cons. Oh my no, Splatoon the pink, ones. pink and green my, ones. My favorite Joy Cons. Uh, there, they were actually on sale last week for fifty nine ninety nine. I'm not buying another pair of Joy Cons. <laughs> I will just uh, set one. I will retire the uh, the pink one and leave it up on the. Or excuse me, I'm I've been running pink or blue and green, so my blue one will uh, be retired to the shelf, and I'll have to put the pink one back on. But I digress. Corey, we're here to talk about Destiny. Are we? Are you sure? Because we haven't even I touched know. it yet. We have, uh, yeah, 10 minutes, like 10, 15 minutes in, we haven't even touched Destiny. We have an awful lot of uh, Destiny to talk about tonight. Some controversies in the community, a Chwab to talk about. Let's, uh... Are we talking about this stupid Divinity thing? We're talking thing? about the stupid Divinity thing. We, we are going to address the Divinity thing, and we're going to address quitter penalties. Uh, we're going to address both of those, because it's been a... It's been an eventful week. Uh, so last Friday, for those of you who are mercifully not plugged into Twitter, um, 
one of the guys yeah, good from on uh, Clan Elysium, uh, Salt Greppo, who has finished uh, World's First three times in a row now, so for Vault of Glass, Vow of the Disciple, and, uh, of course, King's Fall, uh, tweeted out, basically, he thinks that Divinity needs a nerf. And I want to read his I want to read his comments in full context so that I'm not misrepresenting anything that he says. Um, okay, come on. Come on. You can do it. You can do it. I believe in you. <laughs> Performance issues, guys. It's, it's okay. Uh, it's it happens to everybody. All right. Oh. So Salt Agrippo, uh, not Salt Agrippo, um, comes out and basically says, you know, hey, Divinity nerf discussion. Let's talk about this. So he goes, I've been thinking about a way to nerf Divinity for quite a bit. The gun is basically mandatory for most boss encounters, and it makes aiming a non-factor, which is unhealthy for a game for multiple reasons, such as, and he proceeds to give reasons. So removing most of the skill cap during DPS and making precision weapons way too easy to use, forcing high-risk, high-reward weapons such as Whisper of the Worm out of the meta since they simply can't be buffed, otherwise they would be S-tier due to Div removing the risk aspect. For the longest time, I didn't come up with a viable solution. I don't think removing the debuff would do much. Teams would still apply a debuff by other means and use div on top of it for free ease of crits. Reducing reserver or mag size would probably be pretty insignificant. Uh, we have multiple ways to produce special ammo on demand, and hunters can easily negate low mag downsides by just dodging to reload or throwing a shuriken. There aren't really many viable solutions without cre- completely reworking the weapon. Though guaranteed crits are just too good on certain bosses, but not long ago I came up with an idea that could finally work while also preserving the gun's identity. What if Divinity kept giving the crit bubble, but provided a 0% debuff that overrides any other debuff? So, for example, using Divinity plus Tether still results in no debuff as long as Div is applied. That would make it so if you decide to use Div, you sacrifice someone, both sacrifice somebody's damage and lose the ability to debuff the target, making it a safe option, but worse compared to what a skill team could pull off by hitting their shots. This is something that should be easy to implement from a technical standpoint since we already had it in the past lower percent debuffs that used to override higher ones and it would make using Div a choice with a strong trade-off. This would not affect less skilled teams that want an easy crit when running their weekly raids since damage checks in normal mode are easy enough and as long as you are hitting your shots, a debuff isn't needed. On the other hand, it would make day one and contest modes way more interesting since ambitious teams will be able to risk not using Div to try and get a higher DPS output by hitting their shots. So, I want to leave it there with those initially. So, with his initial thoughts. Basically, he's proposing that we rework the gun to not give any sort of debuff. Like, for example, Tractor Cannon um, and uh, Tether provide a debuff. And Divinity, as it is, provides debuff. You get, I believe, a 30% debuff Mm -hmm. with the gun. And it, it has become, far and away, the most essential gun for raiding. I will not deny that, um, even if most of us can get through just about any boss at this point without it. There are three bosses that I think, or four, there's four encounters in particular that I think you have to have Divinity for. And that is uh, the Sanctified Mine and Garden of Salvation. <clears throat> I can't speak to the giant harpy because I have not done garden in like three years. Um, it That would be Sanctified Mind, Rolk, the War Priest, and Oryx. Um, War Priest, I think a skilled team doesn't exactly need a div, but you have to, ha- like, ag- again, kind of what Salt's getting at, you have to have your exact damage output ready to go. I agree on one hand mm-hmm. that it would make day one in contest mode way more interesting because, in a way, 
I don't want to sound elitist here, but I do think that in a lot of ways that has been kind of handed out. You somebody brought yeah. up the uh, last wish race uh, on my timeline yesterday because it's been five years since it came out. And just being like, man, remember when only two teams did it in the first 24 hours and only like a handful of teams did it in the first weekend? Like that's never going to be recreated. But what if you only had like three or 400 teams actually clear it in the first 24 hours? Like I we forget how low D2's population was when Forsaken happened, but that I can see that like, preserving like kind of some of that prestige for these top 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 tier teams for the top you know 0.1 percent um i could see that definitely being part of it he follows up by saying since so many keep saying this no difficulty isn't the point i don't think it's needed but if that's what it takes let's reduce boss hp to make up for the nerf so that casuals wouldn't be affected the whole point is that div shouldn't be both the best and the easiest option um i i actually pretty strongly disagree with this particular tweet um I think that the solution, in fact, would be to have a conversation about boss HP because it's pretty clear that they've compensated in every single raid and dungeon since to account for divinity. Oh um, yeah, no, dude, the war priest is ridiculous. The war priest has something like twenty million health. Um, yeah, it's stupid. War priest, it's I think, it's actually like, has more health than Oryx himself. Yeah, no, dude, the war priest is dumb. Like it, it's. I'm sorry. It's just it's ridiculous how how much it takes. Yeah, I um I think that I think it's a little silly. Um especially when you know you you toss the mechanic in there, which isn't too bad, but I do think that it if you're not getting those knights though, like that's also hurting your DPS output. Um I don't know, like I, I think this is an interesting conversation to have though, and I wanted to I wanted to address it tonight because I both agree and disagree with Salt on this. Um, <clears throat> I see where he's coming from. And when he first put this out, I saw red, like a lot of other people. Um, <clears throat> I don't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm too good to need Div. Like, I am the resident Div bitch. I run it all the time. You know, I buff ever. I don't think you've taken it off since I've no, known I've, you. I've run it literally in every single raid, I think, since the day I got it. And it's great to have that extra damage. Like there are certain bosses where it simply does not work. And that's kind of a relief when that happens. Um, but I mean, like we don't, we don't run a div on Golgoroth. I know a lot of people do it there. We don't run div on Golgoroth. Um, <clears throat> I would argue that the team I did it with day one is probably getting to the point where we don't exactly need it for Oryx because his crit spot is so fucking huge. Uh, the War Priest, you right. need it because he does the War Priest show. Oh, Tanix is the other encounter. I'm sorry, you need it on Tanix because Tanix has a little tiny head and he's fucking flying around. Um, he has a little tiny he has head. A little tiny head. <laughs> Tanix. Um, <clears throat> I think those are like the main ones where you need it. So yeah, most of the final encounters since Divinity came out, and with like Tanix, it's not even like you'll even need him for the damage. You need it so you have a spot to hit. Um, cause that's an infuriating fight without that. Yeah, I think I attempted it a grand yeah. total of one time or, you know, watching teams try to do it when the div holder is down is kind of hilarious. Um, <clears throat> when the best damage option for him is snipers and linear fusions, like if it was rockets, okay, fine. But it's not rockets, it's precision weapons. Um, right. So I do think that there's a greater discussion to be had here. I think Fallout Plays had a really good take on it. His take was essentially, you know, well, how about instead of just talking about the gun, we talk about 
how boss HP needs to be reworked as well. Um, like if you did, if you read it, boss HP, sure you could rework the gun, but without having to take away. And the key thing is without taking away the identity of the gun, because I think it's such a unique gun. My argument would be, I think we need more support weapons than rather than nerfing the only one. You say it's the only option. What if we got, um, what if we got another weapon that could offer some kind of uh, buff? Yeah, like I mean, why is there? Why does this have to be the only one? Why aren't there like, why aren't there new weapons in the in the dungeons to kind of take its spot? Right? Yeah, like, I, it's it doesn't necessarily have to be like sun. a raid. I'm not puzzle. like, and I'm not sitting here like clamoring for, um, a nerf either. But I do think that at some point, something needs to happen. Um, when something is too much of an outlier then you know when people have to build their entire kits around it it does become a problem and i i think that's how salt was getting at it but i think that he kind of presented that very badly um i yeah. wasn't really a fan of it hey he's done multiple follow-up threads since i'm not going to scroll through his entire feed to get them a lot of people responded with a lot of uh, hate and vitriol towards him um i didn't personally see a lot of that because i saw a bunch of people who were like <clears throat> you know you know, hey, I can't believe people are being rude to you. And I'm like, uh, I didn't really see it. I did see uh, some people say, you know, this is uh, this is arrogance and whatnot. Um, and, you know, basically telling him, hey, just don't use it. And, I mean, that would be my solution in the meantime. Hey, man, if you want more of a challenge, just don't use it. Like, yeah. So... But then they're going to turn around and use it and be like, oh, it's, you know, we need it. And it's like, well, then stop complaining. <laughs> but also, I agree. I agree with you, though. I think there needs to be more of a conversation of like adding weapons to the pool that can do similar things and not, you know, not complaining about the only one. It basically was replying to everybody and complaining. Uh, my favorite, my favorite reply to him was just go touch some grass. Um the game is not that much important. Uh, it's not that important. But also, I think that <clears throat> Salt is, I think, and I mean, I, I don't want to be disrespectful here. I think he needs to also understand that this is the same argument that we're about to have for the PvP thing. Um, you have to understand that the game is never going to cater to the top 1%. It's just not going to mm -hmm. happen. Like, that's not how these games make their money. I'm sorry, but... They are yeah. not going to make that. They don't make their money by appealing to the top one percent. They make their money by appealing to the ninety-five percent. You know, to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And while yes, there is an argument that needs to be had about, or not an argument, but like a discussion that needs to be had around divinity. I don't think that his solution is necessarily the solution. I don't know what the solution is, but I do agree that I think it's become enough of an outlier problem that we need to discuss it. I also think that at the same time that Marvel oh no not Marvel God Marvel I just I had a message pop up on my phone and it was asking <laughs> me a question about Marvel. Um I think that there's a limit to what you can and can't nerf. And I don't know if the solution is like take down the amount of like bonus damage it gives you or what, but I don't think the answer is to take it all the way down to zero. Um and still annihilate every other debuff maybe if you put it down to zero so we still get our giant crit spot but like other debuffs worked with it maybe you could do that because then somebody has to give up like a high damage super or a support super like i could see that working 
Um, so that, like, it, maybe it works with Tether again, but, like, all you get is, like, the base damage from Div, which is, like, 600 a hit or something. And then there were other, there were other uh-huh. discussions I saw popping up, like, well, you know, we should talk about nerfing Well of Radiance again. And I'm like, okay, like, now at this point, you're being elitist. Like, uh-huh. I get that point. Like, if you're calling for anything that helps players to be nerfed or to be taken out of the game, I do think that's an elitist take, and I will argue against that. But I think that this whole... One of the other things that was coming up was, you know, well, you know, Bungie only listens to streamers. They're going to listen to this guy. And it's like, well, they've done a lot of things lately that have been very unpopular with content creators and streamers, and it clearly shows that they don't really care what they think right now. Um, Skill-based matchmaking being one of the most notable. I ultimately, like, it it is worth noting that Bungie did say a couple of uh, months ago that they were looking into ways to rework Divinity a little bit. Um, I think they realized they opened up a gigantic can of worms. Yeah. And again, like, uh, probably the ultimate solution here is to, yeah, take it down to where the debuff does, like, an insignificant amount. But you can still apply another debuff, like a tractor cannon or a tether or something. Um, yeah. I don't know about what the, uh, the darkness grenades that we had were that were on Void when a... It was uh, when suppression grenades, essentially, um, things like that. Like if your highest debuff could still take over, like I think that would be a big deal. Um, you can maybe do that because I, I really do think I think it's less about doing the. Uh, and if you're gonna if you're gonna go that route, though, the conversation we have to have is about boss HP. Yeah, I mean it's got to be a combination of all three of these things we're talking about tonight, right? Like, yeah, boss HP better on a better range of supporting weapons and tuning divinity i think it's got to be a combination yeah, of all three. Uh, I, I think and this isn't just something that can be implemented like in the next couple of weeks either this is probably a change that would be like we're talking like world's first raid for lightfall is when it would be ready at the earliest because it's going to require mm-hmm. a fundamental reworking of the entire game yeah so of like <clears throat> all the endgame encounters. I mean, I would even argue that it might require a reworking of encounters like Savathun um, on Legendary. Yeah. Because I I didn't use Divinity in there. Um, we figured it was just better to get three people on the same damage, but also, like, that is a... Like, that's a more skilled team. I don't want to be that guy, but, like, that's a more skilled team. That's kind of what he's getting at here. Like, yeah. a more skilled team can just, like, do the damage output and not need to sacrifice yeah. damage for a Divinity. Um... Anyways, some food for thought. We have a little bit more food for thought, though. Um, yesterday was this. Yesterday uh, on Wednesday the fifteenth, there or Wednesday the fourteenth, excuse me. Um, we had a hot fix deployed at reset, and upon logging back in, uh, people started finding out there are quitter penalties now for control. Yes, yes, there are. Um, this obviously led to another very heated debate in the community um, with content creators kind of on one side. And I would say that I think more people were in favor of what creators were saying regarding this than they were of Divinity, for sure. Um, PvP is already in a really rough spot in Destiny. I don't know if you guys knew this. PvP is in a really bad spot in Destiny too. Was not aware, Josh. But this is uh, are you sure? This is one of those conversations that we ultimately need to have because John and I came down differently on this one. 
And that's that we actually think this is low-key kind of a good thing because we have both seen and experienced a lot of people just leaving matches randomly this season. Um, yeah. I mean, it's been going on for a little while, and that was definitely happening last season, but it's been really bad this season. I've been seeing it in modes that aren't even control. Um, so you can't even use a skill-based matchmaking excuse there. Like, I saw it happening in Iron Banner. I saw it happening in Momentum Control. Um, I don't know if it is a disconnect issue um, or what, but it's just kind of exhausting um, mm-hmm. reading some of these arguments. So... Yeah. What are penalties I mean... in a casual playlist? Um, I want to start there. I don't think that they should be there, but I think that we've also reached a point where people are pretty clearly just going to back out of matches whenever it's a map they don't want. And they're like, I don't know why I'm being forced to play this map. Maybe because it's called playing the fucking game. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we can't tailor your experience around four maps where you can just use shotties and snipers all the time. Like, I'm so sorry that not every map can be fucking cauldron for you or something. Like... I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, oh, you pretty clearly only want the D1 maps on top of that. But then we give you Cathedral of Dusk. You're like, no, no, we don't want that one. We have to actually try on that map. I don't want that. Like, what I'm gathering is a lot of people are upset because now their their content and their precious KDs might be at risk with skill-based matchmaking. And now with quitter penalties also, like, the people who are complaining claim like, oh, I've never quit out of a match. I never quit. And, but you're that upset about this? Like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you guys because it's clearly being implemented because it's a problem. They told us that this was coming also. They told us like two months ago that this was coming this season at some point. Although I will digress. They did say it would be addressed in a TWAB and it was definitely not addressed ahead of time. I think that's part of the problem is this was just kind of like dropped on us. I have tried to keep an open mind about this, about the div issue. Um, I want to see if I can find the take that I saw yesterday, which I think was kind of the most measured one. Um, I sent it to John. Of course, it figures I don't actually have it pulled up. Um, Of course, why would you? (laughs) Gosh, no, Josh. I thought I screenshotted this. I, I got to go into my DMs real fast. But um, there was a really good take from uh, from Cool Guy, uh, Cool Guy Games, who John and I really, really like uh, for his PvP take. Said so. What he said is he he said this in reply to Bungie Help when they posted about the uh, quitter penalties. They actually had to suspend them almost right away because the servers were so unstable yesterday. Um, oh, geez. That we were all like, I mean, I was getting. Uh, or two days ago, I guess it was on Tuesday is when it was happening. They had to suspend it yesterday. But he says, um, before this is standard in 6v6 control, I implore you guys to look at and fix the infrastructure of these games, including with map weight, fire, which we'll talk about map weight in a minute, uh, fire team weight, stack versus solo, which we know is coming at some point. We just don't know when. Uh, connection, lag, and reward path. Uh, in my opinion, in a non-comp free time mode, the, this penalty is too much with those things still in play. 100% agree. That's where I'm at. Like, I do think that there needs to be some sort of penalty because it's clearly, it's very pervasive, especially on computer. Like, on Steam, it's just mind-boggling how much it happens, apparently. 
I don't encounter it mm-hmm. as much on console, but I've definitely seen my fair share of it on both sides too, both on my team and on the team that might be whooping our ass. Um, and it seems to happen on a few specific maps. Dead Cliffs is one. Disjunction is another. Disjunction, I see people quit out left and right. Um, yeah. I was not aware the community hated that map as much as they did. But there are just a million comments under anything about this junction saying this is the worst map I've ever played in any FPS, which I feel is definitely an exaggeration. Like, if that's the worst map you've ever played, please go play more FPS games. Um, but it was yeah. very... You clearly haven't played yeah, enough. <laughs> it was clearly built for Rift, though. And so I understand it from that point. Like, playing Control or playing Momentum, um, playing Iron Banner can be a little frustrating at times on there. I get it. Um, I didn't think Eruption was too bad on it personally, but I do think Control is pretty bad. Um, I digress, though. Uh, I think I think Cool Guy kind of has the, the right formula here for what we need to do going forward. Um, and those are not easy solutions. So I, th- I do agree that I think for now, taking quitter penalties out and focusing on the back end is the biggest thing. For me, the biggest is the reward path. I think you hit the nail on the pa- on the head there because it's a in PvP, there's almost no reason to go play it. Like I, I see a lot of content creators getting very upset that, oh, Bungie's catering to those who only play their three matches for a pinnacle and then go away. And it's like, no, that's, that's not exactly what's going on here, but they are trying to appeal to a much wider player base. So many of us decided a couple years ago we didn't want to play PvP anymore because it was so sweaty, even in control for us. Yeah, I mean, remember how excited everybody was when Halo came out and everybody was kind of like, we have a PvP yeah. option. Yeah, that, like there, you know. there, is, there is a multiplayer for us now. And one solution that I saw, I don't remember if it was a cool guy who posted it, um, but there was somebody, there was a PvP person who posted it the other day. I want to say it was cool guy who also said that um, taking away your KD off of your emblems for anything that is not um, survival or trials needs to be a thing. So you can't go around flaunting it um, so that maybe people will care less about their ELO and things like that. Um, Like, hey, if you want to be able to brag about these, go into a mode where you actually have to try. Um, I do think skill-based matchmaking is what needs to be in the more casual playlists i will say that um Mm -hmm. because i'll tell you right now like i could really give a shit if it's a sweat fest for the top players like you're a top player for a reason suck it up and get in there right i don't think it should extend to the more casual playlists like momentum or um i mean it should be what elimination survival and what what what's the what's the other big one that should probably be i mean so survival and trials uh should just continue being like as is i I think part of the problem is we don't know what they're going to do for the comp rework which is supposed to be coming next season if they had actual like tiers in there like real tiers and treated this like a real thing then i think that would help a lot too like actually having to play for rewards um but the Mm -hmm. problem is you pvp gives me tears you would have to actually update the comp rewards like every season like you do it with trials why can't we do it with comp we need to devote a couple people to comp and pvp rewards in general if we can do it for trials and iron banner we need to do it across the board um yeah i think that pvp is such a unique thing right because like you can look at it and be like well you know there's only one new weapon in uh gambit and in strikes also 
But I mean, you look at PVE content because we're just gonna we're gonna leave Gambit out of this, right? But if you look at mm-hmm. PVE content, there's not just strikes. There's raids. There's dungeons. There's all the seasonal stuff. Like, look how much we get to earn in PVE every season, and then compare that to PvP. Like, yes, there are things in Iron Banner and in Trials. Those are in two very specific playlists. They're only up for a handful of weeks a season, if that. Iron Banner's up twice a season now, and that's just fucking mm-hmm. wild. Like, yeah, that's like that's not even ten times a year now. Yeah, you know, and like honestly, like the loot needs to start reflecting it if it's only going to be up for a couple weeks uh, a year, like or a handful of weeks, not a couple, but a handful of weeks a year. Like it kind of needs to reflect that. Like that's that's it's basically up the amount of times that you're going to spend in three of the holiday events, if that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know what I, and, I like, be... and like and like the. Oh, sorry. Just the loophole in in Iron Banner right now. It's been the same for a year. I mean, so like it's not I, even I, worth I will going it. into we play get, right now. We did get two reprised weapons this season. We got Roar the Bear, and um, we got another one back. I forget what the other weapon was, but it's a little bit further into the uh, rewards track. But we did get two more weapons brought back. It's just like, can we get some new weapons in Iron Banner? The last unique new weapons that we got in Iron Banner, I think, was Peace Bond. I mean, Peace Bond was genuinely like the last one of the last ones. We got that, we got Reese Walker, we got uh, Archon's Thunder, and we got something else. Like pretty much all at the same time. We got like four new weapons in like a three month span in Iron Banner. But that's also the last time we got new armor. We will now have gone fourteen months. It's it's been at least it's been it's at been least a year, year since we got new armor. By the time if they don't give us new armor in December, we're looking at a year and a half since new Iron Banner armor, which again is pretty yeah. unacceptable to me. I'm not saying like we need it every single season like we did have, especially with only having this twice a season now. I do think that you can get a if you're gonna do that, I think you can get away with only having one armor set a year. I don't have a huge problem with that. Then that gives, okay, if you weren't able to play Iron Banner for a whole season, that still gives you a couple seasons to like get the armor, a la Trials. But we just need, like, we need a little bit of communication on that front. I would even go so far as to say that I think that the armor, you can have the base armor in Crucible that looks the same as the Vanguard and the Gambit ones. I have never personally had a problem with that. I understand, like, resources... Mm-hmm. You know, resources, resources. I'm hoping with the Sony money, maybe they can devote a few more resources here. Um, yeah. I would like to see a special set of armor created for comp. Uh, or even, like, armor ornaments created for comp that maybe, like, the armor ornaments rotate out, like, every two seasons or something. Um, but, like, yeah. you have to go in and earn them. Um, I think that weapon ornaments would be something you can do. Um, I think PvP just needs a whole suite of weapons in general. Maybe it's not updated every season. Maybe it's every other season. But you need a whole. You need things to chase in PvP. Like that's how you're going to get casuals in there. Is you're going to make loot that's rewarding to go get, not just like oh, well, there's this one weapon, so we're all going to play during Iron Banner. So we're not only getting banner drops, but we're getting a ton of drop. We're getting like double and triple drops of Riptides, for example, um, like we did last season. And like oh, we're just going to get like 20 drops of these and then figure out what we want to do from there. Um, Ingram focusing needs to come to Shaq's like today. I think that's pretty inexcusable. Yeah. Like I think we all pretty universally praised the rewards tracks that we can get at these vendors now. And I totally agree. But 
like how do you keep people playing past that first reset because like for one ornament is not going to keep the majority of us playing right um, i think no. that whole rewards track has to have some maybe you give us some curated roles on that second track for the existing weapons uh a weapon ornament maybe um even if it's just like a legendary ornament for like what if you th- this season is the smg what if there was a legendary ornament for the smg that was in that track that you could earn in addition to the grenade launcher one. Like maybe that would get people in there still. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't think ships and ghosts and transmats are the, are the answer because nobody gives a shit about that stuff. But no. you know, you, you gotta come up with something beyond just like prisms and a golf ball or prisms and an exotic Ingram. Like you gotta yeah. come up with something else. Oh yeah. Um, I think ornaments is the way that you go. Yeah, I, to be and I mean, like we're, we're armchair developing here, right? I don't know how difficult that would be to implement, but I think if you file save as Iron Banner dot, I mean, you, you would need to do it. Arguably, an Iron Banner, you need to do it. I, I'm arguing just for regular PvP at this point. Like, I can give a shit. Iron Banner has its own yeah. rewards. Fine, cool, whatever. You got your own rewards track there now. It's a pain in the ass, but that's a whole another episode. Um. Like, just regular PvP loot pool in general needs to be, like, massively overhauled. I think, like, you need to go from one new weapon to, like, three a season, at least. I think a set of armor ornaments for comp is probably the way... What if you did, for comp, hypothetically, what if there was a set of armor ornaments, there was a special exotic weapon ornament, um, a legendary weapon ornament, like, what if there was a special comp skin just for the seasonal weapon? Well, if there was a special comp skin right. for it, and like to match it, that'd be uh, cool. Match it, I'll, I'll, I'll even uh, throw you another bone here. What if there was one that you could only earn from grandmasters? Well, that's the thing, though, is like they're already kind of doing that in in Nightfalls, right? With the uh, like the what were they? Not the adept version, but you know the the whatever. Yeah, it's that it's adept. Equivalent, it's is, adept. Right? Like, yeah, I. Yeah. I don't think that you oh, can okay. really do... So, like, those have special weapons. I don't think doing special weapons in comp is the solution. I want to be really clear on that one. I think that would be such an abysmal idea. What I could see the argument being for is what if you did adept versions of the existing weapons in the loot pool? Like, yeah. what if you could go into PvP, into comp, and earn an adept riptide? You're doing the most challenging content. You deserve to have the best version of that of that potential weapon. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if you were to do weapons, that would be the way to go. Um, I don't think putting us locking an exotic or even a legendary, like not forgotten behind there is the solution anymore. We've moved beyond that as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I think those are just like some basic ideas that you can use to get a loot pool rework going. Obviously we all know about the net code issues and you can't say, well, you know, what if you just, what if the quitter penalty is just there? What if it's gone? If you get disconnected, you'll have people yanking their ethernet cords again. And that's not a joke. Like you'll actually have people that will go that far to not play a map. And yeah. then, well, we have to re-enable this because people were abusing it. You have people who don't live in the Americas or in you know, the European Union who are going to get completely screwed at that point. Like people in Australia, in the Middle East, uh, you know, in Japan, in even, you know, parts of Europe, South America, even like parts of North America don't have great internet at times. Like you're going to punish them. The solution isn't just get better internet. Like, right. This is not an answer in a lot of instances. Um, right. I want to see what, yeah. else, what, what else did he say? Um, 
Map voting is something else that I've heard a lot of people throw around in recent weeks, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, I don't think Destiny is the kind of game that needs map voting. Um, I think you just need to like suck it up and play the maps. Because otherwise, the rest of us are going to get stuck on the sweaty maps that we don't want to play on all the time. Um, right. And then Fireteam Wade, stacks versus solo. Uh, I think we've now reached a point where if control is going to be your permanent, uh, like kind of casual mode, you need to implement freelance control. Um, I think that, I honestly think yeah. that would alleviate most of the issues right there. I think that would alleviate a lot of the problems that people have. Because I see complaints like, oh, I get matched up against six stacks. And man, I don't know where y'all are finding all these six stacks at. Because I rarely see it. But okay. Right. Um, (laughs) Right. Anyway, so like... It's hard enough to get six people together to play. Why would I want to go play PvP? Do we have have any other thoughts uh, on this? Because we do have a little bit more PvP to talk about in the TWAB, like right now. No, let's go. Let's go to the Schwab. All right, Josh. let's go to the Schwab. Um, there are uh, there are some uh, some questions that are definitely uh, raised in here. We're, we'll get to the PvP stuff in a minute. Uh, in here, we start out with online game security um, to find out what's on the horizon regarding account pro- protection and a solid foundation of integrity for play. Um, Bungie Product Security says our in, our mission is to protect players from cheating and enable players to experience the game as its talented designers intended. We want to prevent cheaters from being able to ruin the experience for legit players, whether that be directly in competitive PvP activities or indirectly via boosting or making new burner accounts and bringing them into content like trials. The success of Battle Eye, <laughs> LOL, has uh, allowed us to focus on new data science, machine learning, and analysis tools. Some of the first detections went into limited deployment earlier this year. We've moved some into full production with others coming later this year. After building the model, we carefully tracked and accounted for changes introduced by each game release, analyzed known bugs for likely impact, and and assessed sandbox changes. We did all this to minimize the risk of false positives. Beyond the initial precautions, we saw very generous thresholds, set very generous thresholds, so nobody would be banned for having cosmic rays strike their computer and flip an errant bit. After all that, if there were any borderline cases, we used some signatures that indicate the presence of certain cheats on the user's computer. This resulted in one of the largest ban waves in our history. Some of the people whose accounts were banned have said they don't remember cheating. When we investigate these cases, we often find they gave their account to someone else to play the game for them. We again remind everyone that you must protect your account. Do not use account recovery services. Saying your fingers were not on the keyboard when cheating occurred will not be considered during an appeal. So basically, stop giving out your account. It's not that hard. Yeah. Just stop doing it. Um, Yeah. Iron Banner. Um. Yep, man. All right. Um, yeah. So I definitely want to. Talk, I want to. Talk, I want to talk Iron Banner here for a second. Um, first off, I, I got to play a lot more Eruption over the weekend, and it finally clicked for me. This mode is really, really fun. I think part of the reason it's fun is because you already move faster <clears throat> when you start getting the bonuses, but that combined with the arc bonuses is just absurd. I was, like, jumping across the map practically as a hunter. It was a lot of fun. It needs some fine-tuning, but it was a lot of fun. I can't wait for this to be in the rotation with momentum and mayhem and things like that. This this is a party mode, and I really liked it. Um, yeah, cool. Matchmaking times and skill. On average, matchmaking times for control have only increased by 10 to 15 seconds. 
that's good. Uh, for players on either extreme of the skill curve, their matchmaking times have either doubled or more than doubled. High and low skill players naturally have fewer opponents at their level. As such, we adjusted our configuration so that matchmaking expands to a wider range of skills sooner, thereby finding matches sooner for these players. We don't expect this to affect the control experience for most players in the middle of the pack. We hope it broadens the available pool of guardians for our high and low skill players. Um, there's talk about latency here. Um, quitter penalty. Here we go. We're aware there's been an increase in quit rates for certain lobbies, whether due to connection quality or skill of opponents matched, particularly high skill players. While we hope the above changes alleviate the quitting issue, we would like to actively discourage quitting as it negatively impacts the remaining players. As such, we have added control to the list of activities that can trigger the Crucible suspension system. Note that suspension timers for control are temporarily shared with competitive playlists, glory and trials. We're actively working on separating the suspension timer for competitive versus control. And that's good because I saw a lot of people going in and intentionally getting their account suspended. They're going to be in for a real rude awakening tomorrow when trials comes back. Um, yeah. Map selection. Outside of one map, we don't see any predictable difference in quit rate between maps. I wonder what that map is. Really <laughs> takes some fucking rocket science here, people. Uh, we will be making changes to map waiting soon. We don't see this being a major factor in quit rate. I highly disagree. Uh, while we have always weighted new maps higher for a couple of seasons in the interest of letting players see new content, we also started specializing playlist maps in Season 18 starting with Control. We used a number of factors in determining initial weightings, quit and mercy rates, player sentiment, internal surveys, and more. We will continue to periodically analyze the process and, as always, welcome the feedback. In the interest of transparency, here are the current map selections for Control. So I'm going to read it as a as it is in the new patch that went out today. So previously increased weighting was given to Disjunction and Cathedral of Dusk. Those have now been put into the full weighting pool along with Fragment, Twilight Gap, Rusted Lands, Distant Shore, Endless Vale, Fortress, Radiant Cliffs, Pacifica, Altar of Flame, Javelin 4, Widow's Court, Vostok, and Eternity. Reduced weighting has been given, which means you'll get it, uh, you'll get it less than the others. Has been given to Bannerfall, Midtown, Exodus Blue, thank fucking God, Wormhaven, thank God, <laughs> and Burnout. Significantly reduced weighting has been given to the Dead Cliffs, which I think will elicit a lot of very positive reactions from people. No more getting trapped in the A spawn. And removed Anomaly, Control, and Convergence. There has been a lot of confusion over what does removed mean because they haven't actually told us. Does that mean it's completely out of the rotation? Does that mean that it's just like highly unlikely to show up in control or what? Um, and we haven't really been able to get an answer here, unfortunately. Um, and it's... I mean, to me, the re removed means it's gone. That's, so that's the, the way I was interpreting it, but there were... There was quite a bit of confusion across the uh, across the, the the tweets and the uh, the reddits today on this one in particular. Um, we were trying to get some clarification from the writer and basically did not get it. Um, big surprise there. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think this is this is pretty fair. Um, I know a lot of uh, higher end PvP players have been begging for convergence to be taken out for a long time. Meanwhile, uh, the rest of the casuals are uh, thrilled that Anomaly and Cauldron are uh, gone from Control. Now, it's worth noting this is just from Control. They're not gone from Iron Banner. They're not gone from uh, the Rotators. They are just out of the rotation in Control for right now. 
Um, I would not be surprised to see that extend, though. If they think that this has been working out decently, I would not be surprised to see this extend. Um, yeah. There's a Fall Guys crossover happening with Destiny. Uh, I kind of forgot this was happening, that they actually told us about this in the uh, Lightfall reveal. Um, those costumes actually... Wait, in, Desi- in no, Destiny? in Fall Guys. Destiny in Fall Guys. Oh, Oh, I knew it was happening yeah, in Fall Guys. These I, costumes I thought you actually meant, like, don't look I thought horrible. you meant the um I thought you meant the little bean people. Oh my god, to, no, I Destiny. I think I was like quit playing. A little ghost, like the little Fall Guy ghosts or I, something. I would quit. Um some of the cosmetic goodies uh that the crossover will deliver include Warlock Titan and Hunter outfits, which is the uh, the base armor from the Red War. Um a spicy ramen mm-hmm. celebration and a ghost shell wearable. Um, and this starts on the 17th. So by the time you're listening to this, this will be starting. Because I think that date, I, I actually think that date is wrong. I think it's supposed to start on the 16th. I don't see this starting on a Saturday. But if it does, it starts on Saturday, or it might be live whenever you're listening to this. Um, it's happening this this weekend. It's happening this weekend. Friday, some Saturday, weekend. somewhere. Yeah. Um, I really like that they say... Uh, <laughs> Fall Guys uh, and Destiny is a match made in heaven. Just one of the many ways we're providing, proving that the world of light and darkness doesn't always have to be focused heavily on the darkness. Sometimes there's beans. Other times there's pirates, talking worm guns, a celestial horse taking center stage in an interdimensional talk show. Really, Fall Guys isn't the weirdest thing that we've done. I would agree. Uh, yeah. Master yeah. King's Fall is dropping on uh, September the 20th. Um which is uh, Tuesday, a reset, it'll drop normal mode challenges. The rewards will drop double loot for the encounter the challenge is active on. And then for master mode, encounters reward stat-focused armor. Challenges reward the adept weapons. All encounters are set at power level 1600. Um, I'm going to be totally honest here. This doesn't seem like it's really worth doing, like the last two master raids. Um, I don't see people really flocking to go do these. And it's not because, like, oh, the Adept weapons won't be worth it. I I will probably attempt to get through Master Mode and maybe do the challenges, since you can do the challenges individually, uh, to get the ship and the Sparrow. But that's going to be about it. I can't see myself, like, actually killing myself to get the Adept weapons. Um, yeah. I, I've long been in the camp that I don't think that the Adept weapons offer you that much. Like, I think the big deal with the Adept weapons is you can put the Adept mobs on them. That's the big perk for me on them. Um... So maybe the sniper with uh, adept big ones would be something uh, yeah. we're looking into. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't see myself killing myself for this. Um, the The reaction was kind of the same just across the community. Like, oh, okay. So this is basically as pointless as Master Vow the Disciple and Master Vaughn. Got it. Um, the rework to rewards from master raids cannot come soon enough. And if I remember correctly, that's something they're targeting for lightfall. Um, yeah. And I, it just, it cannot get here soon enough. Uh, make, make, make this stuff worth running, man. Um, it's just a shame that it's going to take that long, but I get like certain things have to take priority. <clears throat> PVP loot pool. Um, <laughs> Other than that, there's really not there's not a whole lot left here. Um, known issues. One of the ones, and it's something that I've definitely been noticing, is the 120 hertz uh, refresh rate option is missing for PS5 and Series X. 
um, at some point that got oh why no that got messed up at some point um, and there's a there's a few others That's in weird. there uh, that you can go look at um, the final final note in here um, and I, I want to read this this is from uh, one of the uh, player support leads and community moderation leads. Um, who's got a message here uh hey guys my name is drew uh some of you may know me as dorado earlier this year we lost a well-respected and longtime member of the community seraphim crypto almost nine months in and the pain of loss remains for many of us who knew him trying to put into words the loss we felt has been a challenge even now so here's a link to an obituary i wrote back in january about my friend as time has slowly gone by i've dug into our moderation chat to find some of his favorite things he shared with us sarah's favorite destiny class was the exo void of dawn titan his favorite armor was from Scourge of the Past and Black Armory. He loved using bows. His favorite number was 37. His favorite color was purple. He loved a toast, and he always fought for human rights. To honor his memory and be a part, and to be part of the game forever, several of us at Bungie, who are so incredibly awesome to help make this happen, were able to work with our designers to create a new community emblem, Seraphim's Gauntlets. This emblem represents his love of Destiny, Titan Gauntlets, and the number 37. There are only 36 dots. One is left unlit in the center to represent the loss we feel for him. I hope everyone who wears this emblem feels the same connection we felt for Seraphim Crypto and the love for our community. If you want to join us in honoring our friend, here's the emblem that allows us the opportunity to do just that. And the emblem is in the uh, the twab. I'm not going to try and read it out because, you know. It's a cool it's looking emblem. Different. It is a cool looking emblem. I, I looked at it earlier. Uh, I'll be redeeming it, but it's right in there. Um and a note for next week's uh, TWAP. Uh, we'll be diving into more weapon theory, showing off spiffy ornaments and more. Uh, so we'll see what's going to happen there. Maybe they're ready to talk mid-season patch uh, for weapons. Yeah, I, I got to be thinking that they're when they say weapon theory, that probably means that we're not done talking about Divinity. Um, yeah. Bungie kind of <laughs> has to address it at this point because it... Like, even the social media manager, uh, Griffin, was wading into this conversation and basically telling people to calm down and stop being mean to salt. So, yeah, um, yeah that's that's going to have to be addressed at some point. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, what if they don't, though? Yeah, I mean, what I mean, and let's be honest, like, there is going to be a rework of some kind, but I suspect it's just like lowering the threshold from like 30% down to like 15 or 20 um, so they're yeah. not nerfing it all the way, but they are doing a significant nerf to it. Like enough that certain teams will not be able to do it on day one. That's for sure. Yeah. So I, I'm not really sure. And to be frank, I'm just kind of tired of talking about divinity at this point. Uh, <laughs> that is yeah, fair. And PvP, I kind of, I can two things forever. It would be those two things, um, on my Twitter timeline, but you know what? I don't want to mute Corey. Lore Corner. Lore Corner, baby. Yes. Uh, this one comes to lore us Corner. from uh, Between Stolen Stars, one of the seasonal lore books that you can uh, earn from doing some of the uh, pirate activities. This is called number three, Trust. Eris Morn's workspace was organized, clean. A camp stove, a burned walk, a crate of rations to keep her fed till the next supply drop to Luna, a metal work table with neat arrangement of medical equipment carefully kept, Half of a thrall's skull, a saw resting at its side, a collection of discarded chitlin, a skein of hive leather. Drifter picked up a jar from a shelf. The container was filled with pickled hive eyeballs, the green dimmed by death. You live like this? Drifter asked, incredulous. Eris looked at him with a frown. What do you mean? Like what? 
Drifter gestured around the room. When she said nothing, he continued, You called derelict a heap! She switched on one of the harsh halogen lamps hanging over her work table. The light cast everything in hard lines of shadow. It is. So what'd you call this? He shook the jar of eyeballs. They rolled and thumped together in their glass container before settling into a teeming stare. Eris silently returned gaze to the reliquary. It was an unassuming vessel, its contents obscured save for a strange interior glow. Undoubtedly, the scribe of House Light has examined these, Eris said. Why bring one to me? <laughs> Ido ain't exactly a darkness expert. I see. She felt the grooves and patterns under her fingers as she turned the reliquary in her hands. She felt the shift and shudder of the darkness as it responded to her touch, to her silent inquiry. She ran the pad of her thumb over the seal's edges. When Drifter had first offered the relics to her, Eris called them a gift. Now that she held one in her hand, she did not think she should unwrap it. She looked back to him. What is your motivation for helping the Guardian? I do not assume altruism. Drifter gave her a look of mock offense. Hey, why not? Hmm. I did assume deflection. Speak plainly. Drifter fell silent for a moment. His face was pensive. When he finally spoke, his words were spoken were carefully chosen. The Elixni need a win, he said, looking away from her. After all that, the Vex, salvation, everything. House Light needs a win. And defeating Aramis will be a win. Yeah, hope it sticks this time. Drifter leaned back on his heels and grinned. <laughs> Plus, always nice to be owed a favor. Don't know if Spider will make good on his, but I bet Captain Kell would. Again, deflection. She placed a reliquary down on her work table. Drifter didn't move to pick it up. You sure you don't want to keep him? His tone was genuine. Eris considered this, not the offer, but the sentiment behind his words. The implicit, unspoken faith. You trust me. He shrugged. Who wouldn't? There was a smile, slight, careful, at the corner of her mouth. Something close to delight. Then stay, be silent, and listen. I have thoughts on their utility. The drifter did as she asked. This kind of, like, expands upon the plot thread that we had at the end of last season, where drifter and eris were said to be searching the reef for something at the time we assumed it was setting up the season now it seems that they have interest in these darkness artifacts and it really feels like if you played this week's story that next week is going to be kind of like the tipping point for the season mm -hmm. um like we have yeah. clearly gotten to a point where yeah it's gonna happen um yeah i'm very curious to see how that plays out so this may be viewed in a different light next week uh, because this is her toying with one of those darkness artifacts. Um, you know, I thought, I know for so long we were like, well, you know, she's going to be, you know, the the embodiment of, uh, of Savathun. Like, I still think that something, something fucky's going on with her head. Um, yeah. What do you, so what do you think, what do you think is happening? Um, part of me is wondering if I mean, the witness isn't just using Aramis, but that maybe he is without overtly going into Aramis or Eris, not Aramis, Eris's mind, uh, maybe he is slowly, maybe through some of these darkness artifacts, influencing her to do certain things. Um, for example, we know that Savathun was watching Zavala through, well, it's implied that it's Savathun at least, was watching Zavala through the uh, Ahamkara skull that hangs above Shax's uh, crucible. Right. And that when uh, Eris told Drifter to go talk to him and take it down, Shax reacted pr fairly violently about it. But that they were kind of using that to spy on the last city. And it's again, it's implied that it's Sabathun, but we don't know for sure, you know, 
we probably do. Like, it's probably 99% Sabathun, but now we have to start wondering if it's the witness, because he was able to talk to Aramis while she was still frozen. Um, right. And, you know... She... By the way, let's let's leave Aris frozen, by the way. You know, <laughs> up there. <laughs> Instead of, you know, taking her and putting her in, like, some sort of Prison of Elders equivalent. <laughs> yeah, that didn't make a whole lot of sense either, but, you know, here we are. Live and learn. Um... It's pretty clear that Aramis doesn't totally, like, trust the witness either, but she's, like, she's fucking scared. So, like, what did he actually yeah. show her? Um, right. Yeah. We're going to read one more. I mean, it's, 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 I think, I think the story and the theories around the story this season are really interesting. Yeah, I don't want to get into any spoilers because I've, I've tried to remain spoiler free myself. I know that some, uh, some cut scenes have been data mined. Um, you can go seek yeah. those out if you want to. I have no idea if they're quote unquote real or not. Um, I am not yeah. actively. I haven't yeah, watched I'm actively anything. not watching or indulging any of that. So like, none of what I'm saying is like predicated on something that's going to come in the future. I haven't watched any of those. I don't really buy into some of the theories that I've heard. Um, I would love to be proven wrong, and I have my own theories after this week's story mission, um, and after some of the other lore books that we've read. Um, one of which I'm saving for next week uh, in particular, because I have a feeling that it's going to tie into uh, some of these artifacts, but let's, uh, let's talk about, let's, let's have a abrupt change of topic here and uh, find about what uh, life is like in the Elixni quarter. Uh, this is from the same book. It's number four. An ether fizz spider called to the dreg behind the bar. For our fearless Kel. Sorry, I can't do Spider's voice because I don't sound like I'm uh, needing a pack of menthol lights. And, like, I've been drinking nothing but it's Keystones okay. for, like, 15 years. <laughs> Spider shat on his... Shat. Spider sat on his makeshift throne at the back of the ether tank, surveying his tiny fiefdom. He beckoned Mithrax to approach. <clears throat> to what do we owe the honor of your presence, Mithrax Kel? Spider asked loudly, overpronouncing a human version of his name. Surely you have more important people to see than a humble entrepreneur like myself. Those at the top of the tower, for instance. Mithrax noted a few sharp scoffs amongst the crowd at Spider's mention of the tower. I wish to make clear the rules of the Elixni Quarter, Mithrax said, so that there are no misunderstandings. Of course, Spider proclaimed with fox deference. Misunderstandings are how people get left behind. We wouldn't want that. Mithrax huffed at Spider's indelicate illusion. His retort was interrupted by a polite chitter at his side. He looked down to see the dreg from behind the bar proffer a small ether canister. Mithrax attached the ether canister to his rebreather and took a sharp pull. He was pleasantly surprised by the sensation. It was at once filling and effervescent. The House of Light had been living on the most basic ether for so long he'd forgotten how delightful such concoctions were. Spider noticed the Kell's appreciation and scoffed. So the rules, he prompted. Yes, Mithrax rumpled. We are not yet welcomed by all the last city, so we must avoid angering our human neighbors. Agreed, Spider nodded. The humans can be peevish, especially when you kill dozens of them at a time. Mithrax ignored the jab and pressed on. That's why there must be no violence inside the city walls. Ever. This is the Elixni Quarter, is it not? Spider bristled. The Elixni should have freed, have, should be free to met out justice as needed, in our own way. 
I did not say there must be no violence, Mithrax muttered in Sato's voice, only that it must not happen inside the walls. Spider nodded at the concession. Very crafty. Agreed. Is that all? No, that is not all. From today forward, there will be no more docking in your organization. He nodded toward the dreg behind the bar, whose lower arm stumps were covered with studded leather caps. What? Spider exclaimed. That's preposterous. Elixia have been docking dregs since the whirlwind. It's tradition. The crowd murmured relentlessly at the prospect of confrontation. Not in my house, Mithrax boomed. The room went silent. Mithrax turned to address the crowd. I am Kel, and I decree that no elixir in the House of Light shall be docked. He turned back to Spider and lowered its voice. Unless you wish to be the exception to the rule. Spider chuckled. <laughs> There's the Mithrax I knew, he said slyly. As long as you're still willing to draw blades when the time comes, we'll be just fine. You know who you sound like when you read a spider is the uh, the alien from Men in Black. Oh, the Edgar. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny when I when I first read this and I was like reading this in my mind. In my mind, like Spider's voice has always reminded me of the fake Santa Claus from the Santa Claus Two. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> that... uh, so yeah. uh, this, this is pretty straightforward. Mithrax is just kind of laying down the law of the land to a guy who hasn't had to follow rules in like two, three hundred years. Easily. Um, yeah. Who yeah. is definitely wanted by like every single person out there. Like every major powerful creature in the galaxy would love to kill him right now. Like the Awoken are flat out looking to see if they can assassinate him. Zavala and Ikora are less than thrilled that he's here. He Drifter is even only okay with it because he owes Drifter a favor at this point, and he knows that the Guardian would blow his head off as soon as him and Crow are able to do it. So there's not a lot of options here for Spider. He kind of has to follow Mithrax's lead here. Um, but between right. this and between some of the dialogue that we get this week, that we gotten this week and last week, I really feel like a showdown between. Spider and Mithrax is not only coming, but is flat out inevitable. I don't know if those two are going to fight, but it feels like Spider isn't being fully truthful about his reason for being here. Right. And I don't know. I mean, just judging by the story going on now, I don't know if Mithrax is being 100% truthful either. So let's let's talk about Mithrax for a second, because have you you've caught up on this week's story, I'm assuming. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for anybody who's read the lore books, um, there is a piece that we read that alludes to a group of Elixni discovering the pyramid on the moon years and years and years before the Guardian would find it. And that book is told from the perspective of somebody. We're not entirely sure who that book is about. Is it about... It's not about Aramis, but is it about... Mithrax's mother or his father or who like who who is that book about because I don't think it's about Mithrax either Mithrax we know was born after the collapse as far as I'm aware um yeah I wonder what if the initial because we know we now know the callus is the disciple of the lunar pyramid obviously what if somebody else was made right. into a disciple in the meantime I mean, so there's been the rumors about Nezirak forever. 
Okay. Not forever, but for the last couple seasons, there's been a pervading theory about Nezarek. Mm-hmm. And what was the sin yeah. that Nezarek committed in this and that? Um, obviously, we have a glaive named after Nezarek. We have Nezarek's Whisper. We have the helmet Nezarek's Sin. What if Nezarek isn't what we were thinking? What if it wasn't a fallen guardian that had become a um, disciple? What if Nezarek was one of the Elixni? I mean, that's a... It would explain, that's it would explain a, part of why Mithrax and Aramis both want to find these artifacts. It explained why Spider's uh-huh. interested. But also, Drifter's definitely been long enough around long enough to have some theories himself. Some of the some of the things they're described that they encounter in the tunnels don't sound quite hive-like. They almost sound like the monolith creatures that Drifter found on the ice planet uh, by their descriptions. And again, yeah. we're going to read this one next week because, first off, it's not uncovered in the API just yet. Um, it is uncovered in game. I obviously don't have access to my game in here. Um, we're going to read that next week, though. Uh, because I think that's going to be one of the most important. That that lore book only has four pages in it, but they're all super long. Um, this is the one that we're getting for doing the uh, audio messages you can listen to. The others are what you get for uh, every couple of pirate lords. If it was Nezarak, that yeah. would that would explain a lot. Um, that you know they got uplifted and things like that in the aftermath of the whirlwind. Um, but that maybe, you know, Nezarak, and maybe that's what the title Nezarak Sin refers to, is that they took the they took the darkness power, um, but then maybe eventually rebel. I don't know. Like, there's something in that, in that lore tab, though, that says that they heard a whisper coming, and that's when they discovered the pyramid. Um, right. I think that would be kind of cool if Nezarak had actually been, you know, an elixir. Um I'm not fully buying into the conspiracy theories, though, that so many people have. Like, oh my god, like, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna figure out who Nezarek was. Like, but there's clearly some shit in Mithrax's past, so what if Mithrax was originally part of uh, Nezarek's crew? And that's what he's trying to hide so much now that he's in such fervent devotion to the light. Yeah, I mean, that. I think that would make sense. You know, I mean, I'm not... I'm not hating that idea at all. What what would you do if uh, Mithrax had been revealed to be a follower of the darkness at one point? What would the reaction be? From his daughter, especially from Lido. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I then, but then you could tell a really interesting story that way. And like, maybe he didn't like, if he's part of this crew, maybe he, like when he was younger, he didn't know the difference between the light and right. the dark or like, because he would he have only live. grown up with the stories of the light. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You could tell something really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious to see what happens here. So. Yeah, me too. I like it. You said we're yeah. The, the season week. is pretty shrouded in mystery. Like, other seasons, we pretty much know where we're going by this point. We still don't quite know. Like, I don't want to say the story is like yeah. stalling and meandering, but they're clearly waiting to drop a bombshell. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The next, que- the other question I think we have to have though, and it's not explicitly talked about here in the lore corner, but uh, Ido recites part of the Guardian Creed uh, that you know, bravery inspires sacrifice. 
And I think a lot of us mm-hmm. have kind of come around to the way of thinking that something terrible is going to happen to either her or Mithrax, and that whoever it is that actually dies. I mean, we see Mithrax and Aramis flat out fighting in the yeah. trailer for the season. If one of them right. were to fall, do they get resurrected by a ghost and become the first Elixni guardian? I'm t- I think that's what happens. I think I think it's Mithrax. I though. I think Mithrax. You can't because just because just. Sorry, I, I was gonna go say ahead. I think Mithrax is the popular answer here, and I've I've long been a proponent of it. I, I've said it for a couple of years that I think Mithrax will be a guardian at some point. He will get a ghost, whether it's here or it's in the oh. epilogue of the game or whatever. Like he will get a ghost at some point. Right. I'm no longer convinced that it's going to be Mithrax. I think putting Ido as important. But you really think they're going to do? You, you really think they're going to let a ghost revive a villain two times in a row, though? No, I think it's going to be Ido. Technically three. I think it's going to be his daughter. I think it's going to be Ido. Oh, you think it's going to be Ido? I, I've come around to the thinking that it might be Ido. Now, on one hand, if it is Mithrax, Mithrax would not remember anything that happened, and it would fall to his daughter, the scribe of House Light tell him about everything that happened both the good and the bad she would be exposed to the bad things he did at this point which he's clearly tried to keep from yeah. her. um mm-hmm. and still wants to keep from her he he flat out threatened spider uh, a week or two ago to keep her out of this and asked the guardian yeah it was last well. week um sorry my weeks are all kind of blending together at this point um i think that if you were to do Mithrax, obviously that's the long-awaited story beat. It makes the most sense. With Ido, it would make sense because she's she's been raised differently than any other Elixni ever, and that's to know that the light provides. But I think mm-hmm. if it was Mithrax at the same time, it would prove if either one of them were rezzed by a ghost, it would prove Mithrax's saying and the motto of House Light correct. The light provides. And I think that would be like the ultimate thing to fly in the face of Spider, who's treated, you know, ghosts so horribly in the past. You know, look at the ghost fragments and how he always, you know, plays with the mounds of dead ghosts and stuff. Um, Right. Yeah. For me, it would also be like if an Elixni got a ghost before Lightfall, that would kind of be like the final redeeming factor for the initial villain race. Um, Mm hmm. In fact, the book we're going to read from next week talks about like why they became warriors and scavengers in the first place and pre- presents it from their point of view and not from the Guardian point of view, like we've always had. Basically saying, like, they attacked mm-hmm. us first when we showed up on their planet. And like, well, no shit they attacked you. You showed up on our planet. Um, right. So I, I think there's a lot of really interesting plot threads here that are being laid out. And I feel like we're a few days away from really cracking not just this season wide open, but maybe the next great story of the Elixni. If, right. <clears throat> if us knowing about Mithrax and confirming that we were working with him in Beyond Light was kind of the predecessor to what we got in Splicer, I wonder if this season and next season will be tied together just like how Risen and Haunted were kind of tied together. They were kind of a continuous story as well. Mm-hmm. yeah no i i agree with you i think it's cool i think this is going to be a good i used to be great Mithrax has whatever. long been one of the most interesting characters in the series yeah oh yeah by by far well josh i think we did it i'm ready i think i'm ready to call it i think we did it 
I want to thank everybody for watching and or listening to this episode of Tower Casuals. Remember, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star rating and review. Join the Discord. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. All that good stuff. Josh, thank you for your time tonight, as always. Where can we find you? Uh, Twitter, at Josh underscore Finn, two N's. Yeah, he's uh, crying <clears throat> about but some some sports thing. It's not the Mavericks. Although the Listen, Seahawks the won. Seahawks fucking won. And I've been quiet about Gino it Smith, all night. <laughs> I've been quiet about it all night, but I've been absolutely insufferable the last couple of nights to anybody who knows me um, outside of uh, the Discord or outside of uh, the show. I've been absolutely insufferable. Uh, my girlfriend has finally had it with me uh, leaning over and whispering in her ear, let's ride. Uh, she, she's very upset that I keep saying that, and, uh, you know, but it's so it's good. So good. She didn't know what the context was. And I finally had to show her the video of Russ. She was like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's so good. though. It's so good. It's uh, so good. I like it. So uh, the Browns won too. The though. Browns won too. I think that was more of on a 58. So that was more of like a Matt rule collapse. And also like, there was one specific play that the refs absolutely got wrong regarding the uh, the spike. You can't fake a spike and then spike it in the same play. I know. Um, which I know. Definitely. Look, I'm not going to complain. Look, if if we would have lost to the quarterback we traded away, we uh, that would have ruined the season. Yeah. Well, your it would have ruined your the season. season is already ruined though because you have Deshaun the rapist Watson. Well, you know, coming back in week twelve I, in prime time against the Houston Texans. Hey, right now we have Jacoby Brissett. Oh God, we ride with seven, Josh. That's, we ride with seven. That's almost as bad as us. I would actually say that's probably worse than us. Honestly, <laughs> I would say Gino is better than Jacoby Brissett. I mean, yeah, but we have Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs. Though we could play Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs. Uh, he's. He was the Steelers' third-string quarterback Yikes. last year, and then they cut him, and then we signed Yikes. him. <laughs> Yikes! Best preseason preseason MVP though, Josh. That's what the ultimate Cleveland sports show said about Josh Dobbs that he was the preseason MVP. Cleveland sports is fucking on something. Let me tell you. Hey, the Cavs though, man. The Cavs did Donovan Mitchell. I mean, listen, man, I, I watched Donovan Mitchell get completely embarrassed in the playoffs for six games. So I don't know if I'd uh, if I'd consider that a win or not. Hey, you know what? It's it's the Cavs. Any player that is has any sort of talent, I will it's take true. and not it's complain true. about. You did so. trade away the sex bot, though. We traded did. away Colin Sexton, to, one of the greatest names ever in the history of professional sports. And I mean, look, I know how much you wanted Colin Sexton, but <sighs> yeah, I was kind of hoping you guys Anyways. would just like hold on to him until the summer, and we could pick him up for dirt cheap. But alas, it was not meant to be. Not. But hey, Donovan Josh, Mitchell did not go to the New York Knicks, so Jalen Brunson. He's the number one player on the New York Knicks now. I hope you enjoy playing with oh, your daddy. God. Because uh, it's oh, going to be no. a long couple of years <laughs> for you, my friend. 
Oh my god. Corey, get me out of here. Get All us right. out of here. Yes, yeah. Uh, you could you could follow me at I am Corey and HD on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, by the way, if you're watching, I'm wearing my Tower Casual City. It's very comfortable. It's very spiffy. Uh, it is. Uh, it's very comfortable. You can you can own one if you want. If not, you know you don't have to. But it's comfortable. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. We'll see you next time, Guardians. Goodbye. Bye now.